Just go to the Lord. Father, I just ask you, Lord, right now that you just uh, let me step aside, that you let only the words that are yours to flow, Father, and that if it's not, then you just strike it from the remembrance of those that hear it, that uh, you change this as it needs to be changed as we go, Father. But I just ask that you uh, just uh, continue to be with me and guide my words, Father, that they are yours. These things we ask through Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, what what the Lord's been uh, dealing with me about, and I've had a lot of people that have uh, asked me about change and exchange. You know, how kind of the questions have come, you know, People are talking about it, and they say, you know, I understand, I understand change, but I don't see how exchange has anything really different to do with it. You know, I, I can change things, but, uh, you know, trying to convey to someone the difference between that. So um, I guess my, my t- topic title today is the exchange of change. And hopefully by the time we get through, you'll have a, a little better... Uh, understanding the the, tr- the trouble is is that uh, most of the time the people uh, that have a concept about change is really skewed because it, it's not always their fault it's not always uh, something that they've they've done it's the way they've been taught so hopefully I can take and and uh, modify some some concepts about change to where you can really understand it in, in light of exchange. Um, you know, this is not a new concept at all, uh, but hopefully it'll, it'll give you a, a better way to, to assess it. You know me, I always go through the, the words in the Bible that have been used for the various words that we've, we've taken. And so I'm going to start with the Old Testament, go through the Hebrew words, uh, that have been used for change and uh, and exchange and kind of give you an idea of where those come from then we'll flow into the New Testament. In Genesis 41, 14, it says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came unto Pharaoh. That word is uh, chalaf in the Hebrew, and... Uh, it's used 28 times in the Old Testament, and 10 times it was used as change. But if you really look at the root of that word, it was, it's more accurately to replace or to exchange. Just in that uh, verse, it says, changed his raiment, changed his clothes. He didn't change the clothes he was in. He exchanged them. He took a pair of clothes that he had on, and he exchanged them for a newer, cleaner set of clothing. So he exchanged them. He didn't change them. You know, he didn't do the actual change. He, he exchanged them. So then we move on to uh, another root word that's exactly the same root word, but it's chalifa. Okay, the first one was chalaf, and this one was chalifa. And it was translated change 12, 11 times. It was in the Bible 12 times. But again, in Genesis 45:22, it says, to all of them he gave each man changes 
of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. There again. Now, we kind of have a concept about that, and we understand changing your clothes. But if you apply that same concept, thinking that I'm going to change my mind or going to change something else, then you start getting a little skewed concept of the word change. So again, this is more accurately translated varying or distinct item. So if you read it, to each of them he gave each man a distinct item of raiment. He gave them 300 pieces of silver and five distinct items of raiment. So there wasn't a change in there. It was, it was a distinct or an exchange of one to the other. And then in Job 17, 12, it says, They changed the night into day, and the light is short because of darkness. All right, this was translated as change, but it's more accurate be to put or to place. They placed, you know, or to make. They made the night day. You know, they didn't really change the day and night because, as we know, day and night can't be changed. I mean, those are, <laughs> those are kind of the rock-solid principles of, of one of the things that we know of is that day and night are day and night. You can't change them. But they made it, made it night. And it was only used as, as change once. And so there again, can you, it was, this word was used 578 times in the Old Testament. But only once was it used as change. Now, if somebody stumbles across this translation and starts thinking, oh, I changed the night, okay, their concept, again, starts getting a little cloudier and a little cloudier, a little more muddy and you, as you progress on through. Now, stay with me. I know this is boring for a lot of you, but it, it, it'll, we'll get through this real quick, and then we'll, we'll move into the next phase. Okay, then the, the next word is shana, which was used 23 times, and it was only translated seven times as change. And the correct translation, again, for this word is from a uh, scripture that probably everyone is aware of, everyone has heard. And it's in Malachi 3.6. And it says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now that's where it's actually used correctly. The word change, because the word change in its literal meaning is to disguise or to alter. So it's, it was translated as to repeat and some other things, but it says, like in Proverbs twenty six eleven, it says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Well, which word in there was, was change? Well, there wasn't one. It was the return. The return means to repeat, which means you're going to go over and alter it again. You're going to alter something. You're going to repeat it. So the true meaning of change is to disguise, and that's where we need to focus. When you're trying to think about the word change, you need to think of it as a means of disguising yourself, or at least that's the way Scripture hard codes it into it. Now, you know, God says, I don't disguise myself. I don't change. I don't disguise myself at all. 
I am who I am. I am the great I am. You know, what you see is what you get. You know, there's nothing about me that's going to change or be changed. You know, that this is the way I am. This is the way I was, and this is the way I will be. There's no change in the middle. So hang on to that. And then we, work, we move to the, to the two words that are used throughout the Bible as exchange. And they are both part of the same root word. One of them is tamura, and the other one is just mur. And uh, so those, those were used in, in several scriptures that, uh, were, again, were accurately changed to exchange. That's where God talks about exchange. He talks about, that, now then, recompense, restitution. Those were words that they used. But restitution means to give back, is to exchange back what you took. Okay? So there's things like that in, in the Old Testament where change was used throughout. Even the word that truly is exchange was denoted as change in the Old Testament. Okay, now we're going to move to the Greek word. And those are in the New Testament. In Hebrews 7.12, it says, For the priesthood being changed, there is made necessity a change also of the law. All right, and this Greek word is metathesis. And there's metathesis and metathemi. Okay, do you hear the commonality in the word? Well, they're the same root. And they were all translated as change, to remove, translate, to carry, to turn. Do you see where all the confusion can come in as we're moving through this? Exchange is not even listed as one of the, one of the uh, definitions. When you look at Thayer, you look at anybody, Strong's, all of it, they don't even use it. But the definitions that they do use are to move from one place to another. What are you doing? You're exchanging one location for another, okay? The other word is to change your condition, you know, or literally be, literally to be in a change of place or a place of change. Well, th- there again, that is exchange in its, in its translation, you know, to transfer to another use or purpose. If you look at both of them, both of the definitions have that in there. To transfer to another use or purpose. You're exchanging. You're exchanging. You're not disguising it. You're not altering it. You are exchanging. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be Raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. You've heard that thousands and thousands of times. Okay? The word there is a lasso. It looks like a lasso if you're Texan, <laughs> but it's a lasso, you know. And it's used 16, six times, and it's translated as change. However, if you look at it and you really dig down into it, exchange is really the root meaning of that word. We're not going to be disguised when the trumpet sounds. We're going to be exchanged, right? Okay. So you're starting to see how even in the Bible and trying to get people to understand the difference between change and exchange, you know, they've got a foundational 
argument, if you want to put it that way, that this is what change means. But it's not really what those words are, are depicting. And you have to realize, too, the Bible was translated in the 1600s. For all we know, change at that time to King James may have really meant exchange. But if you go on further back into the, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but if you go to the Septuagint, that was translated in 300 B.C., somewhere thereabouts. And it was a group of Jewish scholars that were appointed by King Ptolemy, which was the ruler of Greece. And he said, I want you to translate your words for me so that I can read them. So he gathered together this large group of Jewish scholars that wrote what is now known as the Septuagint. Okay? King James did not use it. He, he used you know, the original Greek, and they, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, except that in the Sept, Septuagint, however you want to say it, the Jewish scholars translated every one of these words as exchange. If you go back and look at it, they're not translated as change at one point, any point. The only one that is is the one we talked about in Malachi, where he says, I change not. So the Jews that were translating the Hebrew understood understood the, the concept of exchange at that point and knew that that's what they were trying to, to look at. Now then, again, why... Well, I'm going to move on. Sorry, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit and getting way ahead of myself. Uh, the next word is metalasso, which is another root means to exchange, and that's, that's found in Romans one twenty five, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Okay, well, you don't change God's word, you know, you, but you can exchange it. You can take what is truth and accept a lie. You're exchanging a truth for a lie. You're not changing God's word at all, but you can do the exchange. So therefore, that, that word is better known as, or better translated as exchange. Then we get to a word called metamorpho. What does that sound like? Metamorphosis, like a butterfly. It changes form. It exchanges one life for another life. Okay? The life of a caterpillar for the life of a butterfly. Okay? That also is translated as change and transfigured. But again, the true meaning is to exchange. There are two other words uh, that are absolutely, positively, 100% exchange in the New Testament. And they are words that are called antalogma and catalogue. Now, I know those, that means absolutely nothing to you, but uh, Matthew 16, 26, it says, for what, is it, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, that's, that's the word antalogma, which means truly to exchange. That's the way it was translated. The next word is catalogue, which means that's where reconciliation, restoration, and atonement. That's the way it was translated. But it, again, if you really dig down into it, that means exchange, reconciliation, atonement is, is the word exchange. A change or reconciliation 
from a state of enmity between persons or one of friendship. This is just dramatically demonstrated between God and man, and it's the result of redemption. The result of redemption, the divine act of salvation, is the true exchange. And that's what happened, and what Jesus did was to redeem us. Okay? Now again, I know this is a lot of words and a lot of stuff, and I'm sure everybody's going, hell, I'll never remember what he said to start with because it's just all jumbled up. But what I'm trying to show you is that throughout time and throughout the use of the Bible, you can see where people got the concept of, well, you know, I need to change my life. I need to make this change. You know, and in them, it's them doing something. That's their concept, okay? So, but again, you know, the, the words in the New Testament become exchanged very readily. The words in the Old Testament, you kind of have to struggle. You notice as I went through that, you kind of had to struggle and dig them out. Well, think about it. In the Old Testament, they were under the law. They had to do something, you know. So the concept of exchange was very foreign to them. But do you know where the word exchange is used in the Old Testament the most? Or almost, well, actually, it's exclusively. Anybody got any idea? Is the prophets. If you go back and look at the words that are truly denoted as exchange, the prophets are the ones that use those. Well, that makes logical sense to me. I don't know if it does to you, but they're foretelling of Jesus. They're, te- they're foretelling of the great exchange. So why wouldn't they understand the concept of exchange? But everybody else was still struggling under the law, and so change made a lot more sense to them. Okay. Um, oh, you'll also find it in Psalms, but, you know, David was a man after, my, after God's own heart, so I'm sure he understood ex- exchange as well. All right. Let me see if I can catch up to my notes here. Uh, again in the Old Testament we, we talked about change and disguise if, if change truly is disguise that's what they were doing when they were doing all the offerings they were covering their sin they weren't exchanging their sin like we get to do you know they were disguising their sin for a year covering it and then next year they get to cover it again or disguise it so there again, their whole lifestyle was kind of around this disguising and changing. If you grew up in, in modern-day church, a lot of that same thought process has come through. So people are confused about it. Okay. Well, Jesus, of course, we all know here, was the embodiment of change, of exchange. You know, he exchanged a lot of things. I know what Jerry Wilburn gave a teaching years ago and Alan brought it up again last week, and it's really stuck with me. Uh, but Jerry brought the point about the exchange that Jesus made in becoming a human. You know, you, you need to think about that long and hard because he exchanged never to go back, never to return to his former self, so to speak. You know, he gave up who he was to become fully human 
to remain fully human forever and ever and ever, just like us. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, and that was an exchange before he offered the exchange to us that just blows my mind. I still can't get my, get my hands around it because it's just, it just blows me away. And, and Jerry, I appreciate you bringing that because that sunk way deep and it stayed there a long, long time. It's still there. So then we talk about the garden. What did he do in the garden? Exchange what? His soul for our soul. Okay? The whipping post. He exchanged his stripes for our healing. His bruises for our iniquities. He exchanged his blood on the cross for our sins. And it goes on and on and on. He didn't disguise any of that, guys. He exchanged it. He stood in our stead. He exchanged himself for us. So, now then, get back to the exchange of change. Why do we continue to struggle with not understanding the path of exchange? You know, I think this has been one of the hardest paths that we've had to go down. It just seems like every, every step you take is a struggle, it seems like. Well, you know, just as the people in the Old Testament were taught, we were taught. We grew up, built up in change, as disguising, as covering, as, ah, uh, time will heal everything. Just push it down. You know, don't worry about it. You know, all these things, you know, we have to do. We're taught that we can make, make that we can change the way we want to live, that we can change the way we act, and that we can change the way we think. Who does that sound like? Sound like Zig Ziglar to me. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, you know what you get when you do that? You get broken bootstraps. That's all you get. Because there's no, nothing you can do except break your bootstraps. All right? So the, the dilemma then comes in, well, then how do I change? You know, you're telling me all this that I have to, have to change. You know, so how do I do that? You know, we use that word so flippantly. It's just, you know, we go into a, to, uh, a store and we make change. The 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 teller or the cashier makes change. That's what we do. We make change. That's not what they're doing. They're exchanging currency of a higher value for a lower value. You go to a foreign country, you don't change your money. You exchange your money for their currency. You know, Any purchase, and that's what Alan talked about this morning, any purchase you make is exchanging something of value for something that you want. It's not changing anything, you know. Change the road you're on. How many preachers? You've got to change the road you're on. Well, how many people can change the road that they go home on? You've got maybe five or six ways that you can alter the way to get there, but you can't change it. It still, it still ends up at home. You still end up there. So... The only way to get on a different road or to get on a different path is to exchange it. That's the only way you can do it. You know, you get to a fork in the road, you can't go down both roads. You have to make a decision. So you change your mind and you exchange the thought of going right for the thought of going left. 
I'm not changing my mind. I'm exchanging a thought. Okay? So if you can really start thinking in those terms and start looking at it, you know, I'm not even sure that change in a lot of ways should even be in our vocabulary because the true meaning of most of the things we do around what we talk about change is exchange. You know. So now if you say change and you understand the concept of exchange, that's great. But most people don't. Most people are still kind of a little further back. So if you, if you understand the root word of change is to disguise, then you can, you can kind of keep that in perspective. Now, the word disguise or deception is from who? Satan. It says that he's the master of disguise. People have talked about that. But in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Uh, 13 and 14, it says, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Well, what's that word transforming? Right there it says exchange. They're exchanging themselves for apostles. They're not really apostles. They're not true apostles. They're workers of deceit. Okay? It says changing. Now, y'all, I want somebody to really scream at me. They're disguising themselves. Y'all didn't catch that. The word transforming there is not exchange. It's to disguise yourself. They are transforming themselves or disguising themselves into apostles of Christ. Do you see how easy it is to walk down the wrong path? To get this exchange and transforming change and all these in the wrong context? It's really easy. So that's why we've got to be really cautious. 14 says, And marvel, and don't marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, does Satan exchange himself to be an angel of light, to be godly? We know that he can't do that. There's no way. What he does is he disguises himself. He disguises him. This is, this is Satan's motive, mode of operation. And guess what? It's the same thing the old man does. The old man sits by disguising himself to make it appear that he's changed. He puts on a different, different pair of clothes. He covers up his wounds. He pushes those things down. He, the rejections, the disappointments, the offenses, all those things we just push down so we can appear to be okay. We go to church. We attend seminars. We do a lot of good things. But guess what? We're still doing the things that we have to to keep us changed, to keep that disguise, to keep that mask on, to keep that front going. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. I'm wonderful. You know, when deep down they're just tore up. You know, we can't, we can't keep doing that. One of the biggest things, if you've ever watched, there's a show called Changeling. There's a movie. Well, do you know what a changeling is? It's something that looks like something else, but it's not. That's basically what it is. In the movie, her child was stolen, and the government brought back a 
kid, supposedly, that was her kid, but wasn't all, I mean, it's a going about that. But basically, a changeling is something that looks like something else, but it's not. It's a disguise of change. That is where we're at. In Galatians 4 and 5, Paul's talking to the Galatian church. And he's talking to him. He, talk, he says, you guys, you know, you can't keep the law. There's just no justification for that. You just can't keep the law. You know, Paul tells them over and over and over, you, you can't. There's no way you can do that. You've got to look to see what Jesus has done. You've got to see where he, where he has taken all this stuff. And that's the only way that you can become justified is in him. You know, but guess what? That's a good example. The Galatian church is a good example of how we struggle in the old man and change and try to change and make things better. And we attempt to keep the law. We attempt to do this. You know, Rod was talking about tithing in the law. If you really want to get into the law of giving, then you better start forking over about 30, 40% of your income. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, that's what the law required. It wasn't just 10%. There was a whole lot more that it required. So, anyways, rabbit trail. All right. If you keep thinking that change is the way to go instead of exchange, I want to relate it to you like this. There's a preacher that comes to Dorman's preacher's uh, meeting on Tuesdays for Mestaline. And he, he's a card, I'm telling you what. <laughs> and listen to his deal on the radio every now and then, but uh, he stated it this way. If you continue to think this way about change, the devil is going to kick you like a pet milk can and eat your lunch and pop the bag. All right, now, you older folks will understand what a pet milk can is as a brand name and not an adjective that's a pet milk can. But because pet, pet makes milk, evaporated milk used to be the thing that they made all the time. But you think about that. You know, he's going to eat your lunch and pop the bag. I mean, basically, there's nothing left. So you got to get out of that thinking, you know. Another example of change is one I want to kind of relay, and hopefully it'll start making some sense now. I'm sure I've confused a lot of people. But I want to I talk about uh, the exchange of change, and I want to use corn as an example. If you take corn and you grind it up into meal that you can use for cornbread, it's still corn, it, but it's been changed. I mean, it's been altered. Still corn, it's just in smaller pieces, okay? Now, if you take that same corn, though, and grind it up and send it through the fire of fermentation, you come out with ethanol. That's what they're doing at White and out at Hereford Renewable Energy, I think is what it is now. The corn in the ethanol, or the ethanol in the corn, has been transformed. It has been exchanged by the fire of fermentation. So when we, when we try to change ourselves, really all we're doing is we're just grinding things up so into smaller pieces so we can get them shuffled into a corner a little easier. You know, we no longer have to deal with that elephant in the living room. You know, we've got him chopped up into small pieces. We can stick him in the 
under the couch and in the drawers and in and things like that. But the problem is, is that those things suppress until one day something happens and the cornmeal gets a little wet and then it starts expanding and starts growing and starts pushing on us and we start having troubles and we don't understand why. And it's because all we did was we ground it up and changed it and we didn't exchange it. Okay? Now then, there's a byproduct that we call ethanol of that production that's called distiller's grain. Okay? The corn is not consumed. Only the sugar is consumed. Okay? So what's left over is distiller's grain. Still looks like the ground up corn. It's a little bigger because it's swole up a little bit from the water and things like that. But a lot of places, they grind it up because it's more efficient, but sometimes they would just take it and use whole corn. They didn't get as much sugar out of it because of the husk around it and things like that. But that grain come out looking like hominy, basically. But it comes out the same. Do you know what that's kind of reference to? That's the old man. When we go through the fire and the new man emerges... You know what's left out there is distiller's grain. That's the old man. That's the junk. You know, we were transformed into the ethanol product as a new man. So I hope the analogy kind of fits. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I just went through uh, through all that. But it, if you can kind of, to me, if I can conceptualize something in a real-life process or something I can see, it makes it easier for me to get it through my thick skull. All right. So, change requires effort on our part. This effort will always create confusion and ultimately deception. So if you're struggling, you're probably trying to change. You know, we talked about it this morning in... in uh, coffee shop where people say well change is a process I have to go through this to get changed you know well change is a process and if you're trying to do it then it's effort on your part but the problem is in the new man we're not changing and the process is not a process of change it's a process of growth we're born of a new seed when we when we accept that process we're born of a new seed then we have to grow okay a plant in and of itself cannot change how fast it grows how slow it grows how much fruit it's going to produce the plant can't do that conditions change yeah they can go through a a period of no nutrients drought whatever we've all experienced that in our spiritual life things where you know you don't feel like you're being fed you know, you're going to drought. You can't see what's going on. But the deal is, there's nothing we can do to change that. We can't alter that. You know, we're gonna, we are going to grow, and our growth process is going to mature us in God's time. You're going to produce fruit that you're not even going to see, and guys, you've got to get a hold of that. Your fruit is not for you. It's for others. So don't, don't look for fruit on yourself. I mean, because you're not going to see it. You know, you'll see fruit in others, and that's good. But you're not going to see fruit from yourself. 
But what I'm trying to say is that there is no effort involved on our part in exchange. Absolutely no effort. So if, again, if you're struggling, you know, then you're probably trying to change. And change is never going to get you there. Change is always just grinding things up into a different looking piece so that you can handle it for another day. But exchange is just accepting what Jesus has already done. That's all it is. And then you walk in that newness every day. So does that mean when you're going through these drought periods and the struggles and no feeding, you think, that you're in the old man? No. Again, we talked about that. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you're growing. Now, if you start struggling and trying to find food and trying to get out of that deal, well then, yeah, guess what? The old man's the one that's doing that. But the point is, is that there's no effort in exchange. That's the rest that we've talked about. It's the simplicity of the gospel. You know, and if you can get that in your mind about exchange and those things, then I think you can start really understanding where other people are coming from when they start talking about, well, I can change. Or, well, you know, I understand change, but this exchange stuff is just way outside of what I even think, you know, or this exchange stuff is just too far gone. If they'll really spend some time, and if you'll spend a little bit of time taking them back into the Old and New Testament and showing them those words and showing that they really do mean exchange, then that whole concept becomes more palatable to them, and maybe they can make something of that. Okay. Always end up with anybody got any questions because I, I saw a lot of, I don't know if I got that kind of looks from here and there. No questions? Okay, well, I guess you guys are dismissed. I hope it made sense.